This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. Summer break is over for us here at Lions 24-7, at least for me. Had a nice week off, took my kid to the beach last week. We're going to be talking about the beach in just a moment, actually, because Penn State players and James Franklin are headed to the Avalon Yacht Club for the annual We Are at the Shore event. A couple of those players are Adiza Isaac, Deny Dennis Sutton. They're going to join us here on the podcast to break down the impact of NIL on them individually and really what they look forward to experiencing down there at the beautiful New Jersey Shore where I just was for a week. Back to work here. We'll also get back to work on recruiting a little bit later with Tyler Calvaruso, our resident recruiting expert, break down some of the stuff we missed, some of the upcoming commitment announcements that could impact the 2024 Nittany Lions recruiting class. And we'll also hear from Wendy Hoover along the way. And this event that we are at the shore at the Avalon Yacht Club is hosted by the Hoover family in conjunction with Lions Legacy Club. Of course, Happy Valley United emerged last month as well. A lot to cover in the NIL landscape. Uh, Wendy Hoover is going to help us do that. And obviously, very instrumental as a host of this event. So she's going to tell us all about it Thursday, July 27th, 6 to 10 p.m. There's a couple layers to that event. We'll talk about that in just a bit. But let's bring in those players I mentioned and deny Dennis Sutton and Adiza Isaac here. Guys, a couple weeks from putting those pads back on, but we're still in summer mode. You guys are heading to the shore next week. I'm a little bit jealous, but thank you for hopping on the podcast. I know, Denai, you came on last summer before you enrolled, and Adiza, it's your first time, but we've had a lot of chances to chat here your last four years on campus. Yes, sir. Appreciate you for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's begin with the fact that you've got this event, uh, this, the annual We Are at the Shore uh, in Avalon. I don't know if either of you have been down to Avalon. I can vouch for it. I grew up 10 minutes away. It is a beautiful place to be in the month of July. Um, Adiza, look, you're going to be putting on the hard work, getting a lot of sweat in uh, throughout the month of August. What are you looking forward to about this trip to the beach? Um, really just a bonding time with my brothers, you know, um, um, just getting exposure to the NIL world in a different environment far from State College. Um, and being a New Yorker is, is kind of close to home. So um, I feel like it's going to have a good it's going to have good impact on us and just educating us on what we have to do um, in the NIL field. And, and Denai, I know you've been busy with NIL opportunities. You've taken you, you know, back to your home region and now you're going to the Jersey Shore uh, for some fun. Uh, how about you? What, what are you looking forward to most about this opportunity? And yeah, why I mean, are you just going up. <laughs> nah, I just, I, I don't know. I just, these always be making faces. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, nah, this, all this stuff, the whole NIL space has always been like, uh, you know, a big blessing for me. And I think like, I'm just, me just being in this opportunity, I'm, I'm very thankful for. I'm thankful for the, uh, you know, the Hoover family and everybody else that has helped me out. And this is just more motivation for me to keep going and strive for what I want because, you know, this, it's re really eye-opening for me, especially seeing these, you know, big places and places that I would never be if it wasn't for NIL. Do you have any to-do list while you're on a, an island, uh, while you're in a beach environment? Anything you want to get done tonight, aside from meeting all these Penn State fans and Letterman? Um, I mean, I, not really. I don't have anything specific. Just try to enjoy the moment, like Adisa said, enjoying it before camp starts and being with my brothers and stuff. 
All right. If you guys like ice cream, I'm going to give you some free advice. Drive over just, just a little bit south down to Stone Harbor, Springers, right off of 95th Street. And get a really, it's, not, it's not creamery ice cream. I'm not going to put it on that level, but it's pretty good if you guys want something cool while you're down there. Now, I just wanted to go over some of the details. Uh, NIL dis- uh, there's going to be an NIL discussion uh, for those who are at this event with James Franklin himself and a bunch of Penn State lettermen. That list includes Adam Telefero, LeVar Arrington, Brandon Short, Mike Mowdy, Jordan Hill, Adam Brenneman. Christian Hackenberg. So you're locking out a couple generations there represented. NIL donations uh, for this event priced at $2,000 for individuals, $3,000 for couples. And that gets you in for the first couple hours. So six through eight. But you get a chance to see Deny, Adiza, and a really impressive group of players. I'll get to them in, in a little bit if you stick around for the after party. And, and that goes 8 to 10 p.m. at the Avalon Yacht Club. Uh, that event, to get into that, $5,000 for two. That comes with autographs, food, drink, music. You know, It's an after party. It's called that for a reason. These guys are going to be there. And, and some of those other players that will join you, I just got the list about an hour ago. Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Olu Fashionu, Theo Johnson, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Chop Robinson, Devon Illies, uh, Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, Kalen King, Kobe King, Tyler Warren. I mean, that's a big chunk of this roster, guys. Adiza, what does this do for you guys building that chemistry, getting closer to, to getting back to work in the practice field. Does something like this, having some fun, letting off some steam maybe, does that do something for that? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, anytime we get a chance to spend time with each other um, off the field is definitely helpful for when, we, when we're on the field. And it kind of touches on every aspect, the NIL aspect, um, the bonding aspect. Um, so I feel like it's just overall a great experience for every each and every one of us and and yeah, I feel like it's just we're just making memories at this point, and we're just having fun doing it. Tonight, you get a chance to, to also interact with some of those lettermen I just mentioned, guys who have accomplished a lot in the Penn State uniform, All-American status, gone on to become first-round NFL draft picks, and and done a lot beyond the football field now in their lives. What do you take away from those interactions uh, with the with the lettermen, like you'll have next Thursday at the Avalon Yacht Club? Uh, <clears throat> I would say just try and soak up as much knowledge as I can. Um, obviously, anytime you get to interact with any of those legends, Penn State legends that it came through, it's always a great time. They're always willing to, you know, give back knowledge and help you any way that they can. And all those names that you just named, um, you know, I've looked up to those guys and I'm very thankful for those guys. But as Adisa just said, just being with my teammates and being, you know, away from campus, having fun and not having to worry about football for that one night. Um, you know, it's always going to be a, a good time. So I'm looking forward to it. Something that NIL opportunities like this have created, and, and I had Landon Tengwall on the podcast talking about this a couple months ago, is you're out there and you're face-to-face with fans in a way that you just wouldn't be normally because of the way this stuff is structured. I know people at an event like this, they're, they're paying good money to, to, to be there, and, and part of it is they want to spend some time with you. I guess, what does it mean to you that, that there's people of all ages, maybe a kid, it may be a grandma, that it means the world to them to get in a room with you for an hour or two hours and just get to talk football and other things. Adiza, I know you've been around campus in this community now in, in year five. You've probably got a pretty good feel for this. Um, yeah, it just shows how strong our, our fan base is and even our alumni base of just the support that they're giving to us to to produce on the field, on and off the field, you know. Um, and it's, it's definitely people think like, oh, like a lot of people ask, oh, do you feel the energy crowd on the field? I tell them, I'm like, Sometimes you don't because you're locked in, but you feel the energy. And that's really what, what drives us, you know, coming on the field. You feel that big boost of energy running out there. And, yeah, that's that's what we, we, we're playing for them. So, and we're one family. 
And Denai, do you have any specific interactions that have stuck with you from, from, from out there in the NIL landscape, whether it's with a, a young kid or maybe an older fan? <clears throat> um, I mean, I have a bunch of them, really. You know, just this past camp that I just did uh, this weekend, um, and, like, I had two different kids come up to me. They was like, you know, you're my favorite player. I looked up to you and stuff like that, which that's, like, when I hear that, that's always so crazy to me that, you know, I'm in that position. And, you know, with that position comes responsibility and things like that. So I just try, you know, carry that as much as I can, be responsible, and, you know, just try to be a good role model because, you know, inevitably – you know, people are going to look up to me just because I'm a Penn State football player. So just try to leave with a good example. We're going to break down some more of the details of the We Are at the Shore event in just a moment with Wendy Hoover, who is hosting it. Um, and, and we'll talk about how you can get involved and if maybe this is out of your price range, how you can do some other things. And there's other avenues that can support players at Penn State now and in the future uh, through NIL opportunities. Uh, but, fellas, look. We're a couple of weeks away from this thing getting very real, very fast. And then from there, we're, we're a month out from West Virginia coming to Beaver Stadium for the season opener. Adiza, uh, look, a lot of us thought you might be in an NFL training camp right, right about now or getting ready for that. Instead, you're here in Happy Valley. It's year five for you. What does it mean to you to, to get this opportunity? And, and, and really, what has the full offseason of work meant to you? Because I think you got to go back to 2019, your freshman year, the last time you had a full offseason, whether it was COVID or an injury. In, in, in impacting your ability to get out there? Um, I mean, it's, it just – it feels good to be back with my brothers. Um, you know, it was hard to even say, like, I was leaving. Like, just the thought of it, like, damn, I'm going to miss each and every every one of those guys in the locker room. But um, I felt like, ultimately, that was the best choice for me in my future. And I feel like right now, um, based off the offseason and all the work that we've put in, I feel like we're in a great spot on moving into the season. And um, I just want to keep building off of this and – um. And yeah, just keep building off of this into the season and, and we're gonna work this and this this camp coming up. So I'm just looking forward to to all the moments and just praying for health and and success for our team. You're two years removed from that Achilles injury. I don't know if it feels like it's been that long or if it feels like it was just yesterday. I don't know how, how your perspective is on it, but how do you feel physically right now compared to any other point that you've been on campus? Um honestly I feel great. Um coming off of the, the second year. Off the injury, I feel like a lot much more um, explosive, twitchier, um, and and in camp is really just working on technique. So I feel like I'm in a great spot. I feel like we're all in a great spot. Um, and yeah, I just want to keep improving day by day. Like that's really just the big thing with me. Just just kind of getting that one percent every day and just keep working towards that end goal. Deny, what did you individually gain in, in the defensive line room and the defense as a whole gain when Adiza said, "I'm sticking around for 2023." Uh, I think his, <clears throat> Adisa's leadership is, you know, a big part of, you know, what is keeping our D-line room together. You know, he's one of the older guys, like you said, he's a senior. Um, he's been around and he's been, you know, with multiple different defenses. And, um, you know, him, Chop, Adisa and Chop are my two big brothers. I look up to them um, last year, you know, just watching them on the field had success. And, you know, I didn't think Adisa's going to come back either, but I'm glad he came back because it's going to push me to up my game if I, you know, want to get on the field with Adisa and Chop and all those guys. So um, just Adisa's leadership <clears throat> and his willingness to, you know, be a big brother to, to the younger guys that have come behind him, I'm, I'm very thankful because, you know, it's not like that everywhere. So, Adisa, if I could flip things around and ask you about Denai, you, you've seen him since he set foot on campus last summer. He's now in year two getting ready for his sophomore season. Where is he at compared to when he showed up as a five-star recruit? What do you think lies ahead in his Nittany Lions future? Um, I feel like he has a big future. One of the things I love about Denai is 
You know, he had this this real high recruiting um, hype about him. But when he came on campus, first time meeting him, you couldn't really tell that he was even that type of high caliber player, just the way he carried himself um, on and off the field. But just just his work ethic is really, really pushes me myself just to even work harder. Um, seeing him work in the weight room, seeing how he, he he takes every play like it's like it's his last play. Um, that's just driving us and it's going to drive everybody in that room and on that defense. So he's he's had he has more of an impact than he thinks already um, on this team. And it's only going to get bigger. Then I know many of us have circled your name as a breakout performer in 2023. What would a breakout year look like for you? Uh, I mean, at this moment, I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to get through this camp and trying to get to West Virginia. Um, I know I feel as though we are going to have a lot of success, not just me, but Adisa Chop, you know, our whole defense, our whole defense line room, but our whole defense in general. Um, and, you know, I, I feel as though, you know, just just got to take it game by game by game and day by day, because if I focus on too much at the end, you know, all the accolades and stuff, that's that's it's not going to you know pan out the way I want it to. So I'm just trying to focus on day by day, you know. You both mentioned Chop Robinson in year one. Uh, you know, he, him and, and Nick and, and Adiza, and, and those were the guys who got a lot of the reps. And, and now Chop taking another step forward. Uh, Adiza, what, what should we expect from Chop Robinson? Last year, he was first time focused on defensive end solely. It was linebacker before that in his career. What kind of a developmental process have you seen? Um, just just technique wise, you know, obviously just playing a new position for the first time, you don't know a lot of like the small details of things that could get you around the corner or things that um, just that, that, that one, that one little step that you're missing. And I feel like um, he's added that. I mean, he's working, he's been working on um, a couple moves over and over and over again. So I could definitely see him pulling, pulling those moves out often and then working for him and him having success with those moves, but just him. Yeah. No, you could go Go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I I was going to say, I'd like to pose a, a, same question to each of you. Which defensive lineman in the room, and there are so many, the depth really stands out at defensive tackle and defensive end. What are the guys who do you think is maybe flying under the radar out among the public conversation right now? Uh, Denai and, and Adiza, I'd like to hear a different name, hopefully, from each of you. But who, who is kind of someone that maybe isn't being discussed enough? Because you could probably go 16 deep when talking about at least defensive linemen who might be a, a factor come fall. Yeah, I know two Probably. that come straight – yeah, I, yeah, a lot, a lot of guys. But two that come straight to my mind that I don't think gets enough recognition that I see day in and day out of practice is uh, Amin Vanover and uh, Zariah Fisher. Those two, like, you know, Zariah, you know, unfortunately, you know, he wasn't totally healthy all the way last year. But, you know, in practice, he, he's been working. And then same thing with Amin. You know, he, he was healthy. But um, I just feel as though because we have, you know, Chop and Adisa that are getting most of the, the reps and attention as they should, you know, but I mean, I feel as though he's he's been tearing it up as well, especially in the spring. So those were the two I would say that come straight to my mind. I mean, Vanover and Zariah Fisher. Okay. Uh, he stole my two, but I'm going to flip it over and go Zane Duran and Hakeem Beeman. Um, you probably don't talk about them a lot, but they're both similar players. And, and man, I just I just want you all to see what, what they put on tape um, this season because I feel like they're both special talents. Um, they're not going to overwhelm you with size but their their power and their quickness and their explosiveness is going to make up 10 times fold and technique so i'm just i'm excited for both of them um just to see how they work together um this Great season stuff 
Thanks. I asked for one name. I ended up with four. So, I mean, we're always happy with that. And, and I want to ask about the man leading your room now and Deion Barnes. Of course, you got Torrance Brown back on campus. I remember when he was a player here at Penn State, but Deion Barnes got that promotion. I know you guys were, were really hoping and advocating that would happen. What has life been like under his direction, Deny, thus far? And what are you most excited about getting to work with him this preseason camp? Well, you know, just to start off, I mean, Deion, Coach Deion and Coach Franklin were really the main two reasons why I came to Penn State. They made me um, you know, believe in their system. And they've been there since my freshman year. You know, they didn't just come in, you know, my junior, senior year. You know, Dion and Coach Frank have been there since my freshman year. So um, just watching them work and, you know, produce players. Obviously, Dion has, you know, been there since, you know, Etor and um, AK. He's helped develop all those guys. So obviously he has his own track record. And then Coach Torrance as well has been a great addition. He's been helping, you know, um, helping us players get better each day as far as helping us with drills and things like that. And, you know, just when Dion can't be there, Coach Torrance has been helping out. So I think Coach Dion being the head coach is, or head D-line coach has been a, a great addition in my opinion. Adiza, this is your third defensive line coach since you enrolled on campus. How how has Dion maybe differentiated himself? Not saying that, that he would be better than the other guys already in John Scott and Sean Spencer, but maybe how is he unique in, in certain ways? I mean, funny thing is, Dion has always been there. Um, even with all those coaches you named, um, he was always in the background, you know, just doing the dirty work for us. And um, that's why we all love and appreciate him because um, he really pushes us to a different level that maybe a lot of other coaches or other even players can't even push you to. And that's kind of what you're looking for from a coach, just somebody that can take you to the next level and just bring out bring out the, the inner beast in you. Um, and really unlock your potential. And he's doing that with a lot of guys, even just breaking down the little things from, from scratch. And I feel like that's a lot of things people overlook. They just expect that you know it. And he kind of like reiterates the little things and that's really gonna help us a lot. I just wanted to finish with what's not usually your favorite conversation, offensive lineman, but I'm talking about Nittany Lions offensive lineman. So hopefully it's a little easier to, to, to deal with that and deny. Um, look, Olu Fashionu is being pegged as the top offensive lineman in the nation by a lot of folks. You guys have gotten as good a look as anyone has at him the last few seasons, last couple for you. What makes him the best offensive lineman in college football? And then you, Adiza, as soon as he's done, I want to hear your uh, your reasoning. Um, I mean, I would just say his, his his consistency. You know, I would say a lot of guys, that's not just with offensive linemen, but a lot of guys in football in general, they can make plays here and there. And, you know, they, they can be good players, you know, make a play every once in a while. But Olu consistently all throughout last season was was blocking and nobody could get past them. So I would say his just his consistency and his uh, his work ethic as well. Olu's always the first guy in the weight room, last guy to leave out and, you know, always getting extra work and always stretching. And then when it comes to practice, you know, he's consistently working. He's never getting beat. He's always going to the end of the whistle. So I would say all of those things combined make Olu what, you know, what Olu is. Yeah, I would say just to build off of that, he kind of hit it on the head. Um, but just as far as like his skill set, I would say it's just this, it's like a weird strength, strength, um, strength, flexibility, kind of nimbleness, nimble, nimbleness about him. Kind of he has like the power to anchor and he has like the quickness to get out on edge rushes. So he kind of has the best of both worlds. And that's what you're looking for from a blindside tackle.
And sticking at offensive tackle, I'm going to ask each of you about your classmates before I say goodbye because there, there's that competition on the right side opposite of Olu that we're all pretty intrigued by as preseason camp approaches. And I'll begin with the veteran, Adiza. He was in your class, Caden Wallace. He was the starter at right tackle until he got hurt last year and rotating with Bryce Efner. He's played a ton of football, but we've heard he wanted to take another step this year. He told us that. James Franklin said they've seen signs of it. What does that next step for Caden Wallace look like to you? Because you've obviously got a very long look at him in the trenches and then just as a classmate and a teammate. Yeah, like you said, he's been battling a couple injuries. And the main thing is just consistency. That's what most positions, if not all positions in football, you have to be consistent to be a great player. And I think it's just it's kind of just him finding his groove, his rhythm, because once he's in a rhythm, he's he's an excellent player. And that's part of being consistent. But just him staying healthy and finding his rhythm, I feel like it's really going to separate him and kind of help him get to that edge that he's looking for. And then Denai, Drew Shelton stepped up with Olu down last year, started the last five games on the left side. Now Phil Troutwine has him operating on the right side, you know, pushing for that job as well. Uh, Drew, I think, got to campus about a month before you did. So you've been there pretty much since the beginning of his Penn State career. The physical growth has really stood out. But going you know, toe-to-toe with him on the practice field last fall, this spring, and then now again in August, how has he developed as an offensive tackle? Um, <clears throat> sort of same way as Caden has, I would say they both, you know, uh, have taken that next step and they've been, you know, working on their game and, you know, Drew Shelton has always been giving me great, great, uh, you know, work in practice and give me tips, you know, after practice as well, as far as like, um, you know, point, points of, you know, just how I'm giving things away. And I'm, I, I sort of, uh, help Drew and Caden on those things as well, just as far as like, you know, letting them know, okay, I know you're about to be in a run stance or you're, it's about to be a run play because you're stancing, pass stance, sort of those little things. But, um, yeah, those those guys both have taken a big step and they both have been working. So I think it's going to be a big year for both of those guys. All right, a bunch of battles coming up on the practice field. Really appreciate that. Uh, we're 46 days away from kickoff against West Virginia. You don't have to wait that long, though. If you can make it to the second annual We Are at the Shore event at the Avalon Yacht Club, you'll see these guys next Thursday, July 27th, 6 p.m. Um, again, you can get all those details. Uh, look online. We'll have a, a story at lines247.com with this podcast. We'll have links out to that, and we'll get into it more with Wendy Hoover in a moment. Gentlemen, I really appreciate it, and I'm sure we'll be talking again uh, when August rolls around. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it, boss. Absolutely. Uh, As I mentioned, Wendy Hoover and her family hosting this event. Uh, It's a Lions Legacy Club event. It's also going to be focused entirely on football. James Franklin, and as I said, uh, a bunch of current players, a bunch of familiar former players will be in attendance. And to help us break down some more details there is Wendy Hoover. And Wendy, I got to say, those guys did very good. Uh, We don't have a lot of the tandem interview settings, but it helps when they're from the same position unit. Um, So, you know, tip of the cap to Adiza uh, and to Denai for, for, for the first 20 minutes of this podcast. Yes, they're, they did a great job. Um, fortunate to have gotten to know both of those young men very well and um, to build that relationship uh, through NIL has been pretty exciting. Um, so let's dive right into it because I've mentioned the event a few times. I've mentioned uh, my affinity for the area as, as, a, as a former local. Uh, Avalon Yacht Club is the destination Thursday, July 27th. As I mentioned, there's a couple different ways to attend this, and I'll let you break it down. I did so at the top of the show, but it's a 6 to 10 block, but there's a couple different ways you can approach this depending on, I guess, how much you're willing to financially invest and what you're looking to gain from the experience. 
So if you're interested in the event, you can log on to lionslegacyclub.com. Um, there are different levels of participation. Um, as you mentioned earlier in the show, we have a number of lettermen attending and a number of current players. Uh, the lettermen will be at the event um, from 6 to 10, as well as the current players will arrive uh, shortly after 7 after um opening remarks by Adam Telefero, um, Brandon Short, and LeVar Arrington, and Coach Franklin will uh, do a presentation on NIL. If you would like to participate between the hours of six to eight, uh, the rate of a ticket would be 2000. Uh, if you would like to stay for the entire event from six to 10 for a couple, a ticket cost is 5000. You'll also have the opportunity from the eight to 10, it is an after party. Um, both Letterman and current players will be at that. We will have the Rose Bowl trophy, couple Rose Bowl rings. We will also have a silent auction. You can participate in the silent auction online or at the event. Very cool. Well, there's, there's obviously a lot going on there, and, and, and this is the, the second annual. I know you hope to build and build on this event, but it looks like it's going to be a, a special one next Thursday. But you've, you've got a sneak peek at what James Franklin is like in this kind of a setting. Can you give some of our listeners who may be saying, should we take the plunge? Should we go do this? What exactly will they encounter when James Franklin shows up? Because a lot of people have seen the guy on TV a bunch. They've probably seen people like me asking him questions at a press conference setting, but He's a bit of a different guy in, in, when it comes to this location and this kind of a structure, I think. I think guests coming to the Avalon event will get to experience um, Coach Franklin's passion about NIL. Um, it will be a great opportunity to learn what it actually means for the football program, making us competitive across the country. Um, we're a little far, you know, not where we need to be. Um, we're kind of new to what's happening. But I just think that there's been a lot of negative comments about NIL. And I think it'll be a great opportunity for people to become educated on what's going on at Penn State and where we are, where we need to be, continue to um, raise money to maintain the players that we currently have and players down the road and just basically educating guests um, and giving them an opportunity firsthand to hear how important it is to the program and where we are right now. One big thing that stands out is the, the, the Letterman presence. I know that Adiza and Denai were excited to, to get, you know, shoulder to shoulder with a lot of these guys. Uh, these are coming out of uh, generations ago of, of Nittany Lions, different generations among them, whether it's, you know, Christian Hackenberg, who was you know, played under James Franklin. And then you've got guys like Brandon Short, uh, LeVar Arrington from a different time in the program history to see that all assemble in the same spot for one cause, I mean, that seems to be a good sign from the outside looking in. I'm sure there's been a lot of effort to make this happen. What do you think about where things stand with different generations of Penn State football gathering for what is now presently on the table? It is. Um, I think uh, the Lettermen are super supportive of what's going on with NIL at Penn State. I, they are there. They want to push that needle even further um, to get donors, sponsors, alumni on board with this. I've had several conversations with uh, Adam Telefero and Brandon Short and their excitement. They talk about how they wish so much that this type of program existed when they played at Penn State and just seeing the mentoring going on by sponsors for, for these players, giving these players opportunities that they've never ever could possibly have 
connecting them with businesses. Um, some of these boys may be interested in going into a certain um, industry, um, matching them with donors uh, that could expose them to this type of business, even down to helping some of these boys afford to get their parents at State College for a home game. Uh, it's just, it's, it's pretty remarkable, the appreciation they have. And the past players uh, recognize what it means to these players and they're observing the impact that NIL is having on each of them, continuing to keep them at Penn State and also what we need to do in the future as far as um, maintaining uh, recruitment and maintaining the, the level of players that we, we have right now. James Franklin has been increasingly publicly vocal about these issues and what they're going to mean for the program and, and, and competing for championships and matching expectations on and off the field. And uh, for a lot of people, some of the numbers you said, uh, they're not going to be able to attend an event like this. It's just not going to be feasible for them right now financially. But there seem to be so many other ways that the average Penn State fan can maybe go about contributing toward the cause. What are those avenues? Could you kind of lay some of those out for someone who maybe doesn't have a few thousand dollars to go down to the Avalon Yacht Club next Thursday? Yeah, as we, I mean, as you just heard Denai uh, talking earlier about um, even participating in camps and having that younger generation of those kids looking up to them, parents being able to purchase a ticket for their kids to go meet the Penn State players. You have a number of events listed online Legacy Club where you have players, uh, whether they're at a community event or an event sponsored by maybe uh, a business um, or doing a charitable uh, promotion at a fire station. Uh, there's going to be every level of opportunity to participate. You can log on to Lions Legacy Club and do a donation in any amount you want. Uh, these donations are going to add up and that's what's going to be important. This is a high ticket event um, and not everybody is going to be able to attend uh, because of the cost, but there are a number of ways that you can donate and participate in NIL. And like I said, every dollar is going to add up. Everything is going to be very important. It is the new norm, it's new times, it's becoming very clear right now that NIL will continue to have an impact on sports and the revenue that it's bringing into the institution such as Penn State and the way that we can maintain the quality of players that we have. Yeah, a few months ago, we had a very passionate uh, Brandon Short on the show, kind of describing his his perspective. He'll be there among those lettermen, and uh, very cool to see something like this come to fruition. Uh, thank you for your perspective on it. Wendy Hoover, you and your family hosting this, and the Lions Legacy Club has a lot more that you can check out at their website. We'll link out to that in the story that is going to be out there at lions247.com with this podcast. Wendy, thanks. Have a lot of fun at the Avalon Yacht Club. I have no doubt you will, and uh, we'll be watching this team on the field in a matter of weeks. Thank you. I appreciate your time. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Let's shift gears and get into Penn State football recruiting. We'll do so with our resident recruiting expert, Tyler Calvaruso. And because I was away on vacation, you haven't heard from Tyler Calvaruso on the podcast for a bit. Of course, you could catch all of his coverage along the way at Lions247.com. But Tyler, how you been? Good to hear from you. It's good to be back, man. Like you said, it's been a minute. So excited to be back on with you. Talk some ball. We have a lot to cover. 
Yeah, whenever we take a minute away from the recruiting trail, things tend to happen, and they did. And then it was like the first night of my vacation. We expected this one, Malachi Williams. We we waited a little longer than maybe we anticipated. Me and Brian Doan were joking about that a bit when he came on the show a couple of weeks ago. Thought this might be one of those June commitments. It ends up being stashed for that late in the first week of July. In-state edge rusher, what do we make of the pickup from Monsignor Bonner? I mean, it really comes down to the fact that when Penn State got Williams on campus in January and offered, he was pretty much a priority from that point on. He jumped really to the top of the edge rusher board right along with Jalen Harvey, and he was prioritized as such throughout the cycle. Multiple visits to campus. It was one of those recruitments where it kind of got to the point where and there's been multiple of these this cycle where it got to the point where he had visited so many times that it only felt like a matter of time that he was going to join the class. I personally thought, you know, based on some intel and feedback that we received, I thought that was going to come together in June like you guys. You know, I thought coming out of his official visit the weekend of June 9th that he was going to wrap things up. But he decided, wanted to check out Syracuse, wanted to check out Pittsburgh, really, you know, go in depth in his recruitment, get all the details that he needed before coming to his decision. Penn State set the bar really, really high during that official visit during the weekend of June 9th, and it was always going to be really tough for Pittsburgh and Syracuse to top that. End of the day, Nittany Lions win this one. Deion Barnes and company are happy about it. You know, it's funny I mentioned Deion Barnes. I mean, if you really go watch Malachi Williams' take, you know, Deion Barnes, he was playing a prep ball a while ago, but you know, there are some similarities in terms of frame and build and just what they were putting on film as high school players. So I think there's a lot of clay here for Coach Barnes to work with. Uh, within 24 hours of that announcement, another guy on the defensive line board that we had talked about quite a bit uh, of late, Benedict Ume, we, we discussed where that was trending. It landed that way. He goes to Stanford. He crossed his name off the list. Um, or maybe not. You, you mentioned before, they'll keep monitoring that situation. But he's off to Stanford. We'll set him aside at least for now. Uh, we already talked about before our break, David Pale Pale off to USC. So we then get to wide receiver because there was another announcement right around the same time as Malachi Williams, Nick Marsh, former Michigan State commit, and now a current Michigan State commit. Uh, you kind of saw that one coming back into the fold for him, Tyler. I uh, initially saw the optimism for Penn State. You saw it swinging back as you let our listeners know and our readers know, and, and that came to fruition. So with Marsh going to Michigan State, one of the priority targets of that position for Penn State, who did get a trio of wide receiver recruits on board last month, where does this leave the wide receiver search for Marcus Higgins and company? You know, one of the rare instances with Marsh where a recruit who decommits winds up back with the school he was originally committed to. And, you know, it was just, it was always, well, always one of those recruitments where, I mean, we did receive a lot of positive feedback coming out of Marsh's Penn State official visit. I mean, we heard to the point where, you know, he almost popped with a commitment, but he decided to uh, prolong things. You know, he made it to Kansas and then he makes it to Michigan State during the final weekend of June. And I mean, really that just sealed the deal that East Lansing was the place for him. It was the place members of his family, multiple members of his family wanted him really for the duration of his recruitment. So things really came together there for Michigan state. It's a loss for Penn state. You know, I know it's something that has been debated on our board, but the fact of the matter is Penn state viewed Nick Marsh as a potential game changer on the outside. He has that kind of big body wide out frame that the Nittany Lions are looking for. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. This is one that didn't go Penn State's way. Moving forward at wide receiver, you mentioned the trio that's already on board, Tyser Denmark, Josiah Brown, and Peter Gonzalez. Really solid group that Marcus Hagens is happy with and, you know, pleased with the three gets there. There's definitely still some work to be done. I think they're going to be looking to add at least one more, probably one. It's the names right now. You know, it's the names we've been talking about for a little bit. Chance Robinson, the top 24-7 Miami commit 
from National Power, St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. He's still committed to Miami, which, you know, it's one of those things where I've been saying it's probably a good thing for Penn State that he hasn't flipped elsewhere because I think if he does decide to flip off Miami, he's going to make one move, and that's going to be that. I don't see him flipping twice. So it's probably a good thing that he's still committed to Miami. Florida is right there with Penn State. I've been giving the Gators the edge when it comes to the chances of generating a flip. I still give the Gators that edge. I just is one that, you know, it's going to play out through the fall, and we're going to keep monitoring it and see what comes about. Because Miami's got a big season ahead of it on the field. Florida, same deal. Penn State, obviously, we all know what the expectations are. So, you know, maybe what transpires in between the white lines and, you know, on Saturdays, maybe that plays a role for Robinson. We're just going to have to wait and see. We'll see if he makes it back to campus for a game visit or anything of that nature. All of that is in play. So it's an ever-evolving recruitment. Beyond Robinson, Jonathan Paylor is in place still, I think, based on the feedback that I've been receiving, I think he's going to stick in the Carolinas, either NC State or South Carolina. NC State seems to be gaining a little bit of a, a little bit of steam there with Paylor, so that's interesting. The door, I'll, I'll say it once, I'll say it again, the door remains open for him to visit during Lash Bash. We'll see if that happens. You know, even if it does, I think uh, I think it would have to take a hell of a visit to move Paylor off that North, that Carolina mindset with NC State and South Carolina still in play. Taylor's one. I mean, Alex Taylor, he's announcing his decision on July 29th. Still haven't really gained the sense that Penn State has picked things up and pushed there for him. So we'll see. That's another one I think sticks in the Carolinas right now. Hard last I saw more. Alex Taylor, yeah. last I saw Alex Taylor, he was riding shotgun in a golf cart with James Franklin on the uh, Penn State <laughs> practice field during a camp. We got a good, we got a pretty good picture of that up on the site. We too. did. That yes. was a good shot. So yeah, I mean, we're gonna have to see where that one goes. That's another one we've been keeping an eye on, you know, in terms of what Penn State is going to do in terms of pushing Harley Gilmore from Florida. I've got him crystal ball to Kentucky at this point. I think the Wildcats are going to win that one when it's all said and done. And I mean, really just, you know, we mentioned Robinson and Paler. There could definitely be some names that pop up later in the cycle as well, whether it be on the flip front or a late riser, you know, that is something that happens pretty routinely. So there's still some evaluating going on in that sense as well. You know, looking for that late riser, looking for a diamond in the rough type player. That's always an ongoing process. So Right now, you know, there's a the staff is content, definitely content with what it has at wide receiver. One more addition that's definitely possible. We're going to have to see what transpires as the cycle moves on. Yeah. And if you missed it along the 4th of July celebration and travel and all that, we had Peter Gonzalez, one of those wide receivers, on the podcast July 3rd. We snuck one in uh, before the holiday uh, for a podcast episode. So, in case that slipped by, a uh, uh, circle back July 3rd episode, Peter Gonzalez, really solid conversation with him on his future at Penn State and, and really his assessment of what has grown in that wide receiver class in, in, in a relatively short period of time here this summer. Uh, from one first year position coach on the roster to, to the other, or on the staff to the other, uh, Dion Barnes just talked about him with Denai Dennis Sutton um, and Adisa Isaac about his growth on the on the field and what he's meant for them. But we're looking for the results on the recruiting trail. We've seen a few of them, and it could be a big weekend for Mr. Barnes here coming up. And we'll start with the Friday announcement that is now set out of the Dexter School in Brookline, Massachusetts. Liam Andrews. 101 overall in the top 24-7. He is still listed, it looks like, as an interior offensive lineman in our ratings as number four in that. But he's going to play defensive line, and he's going to be a premier member of whatever recruiting class he ends up with. Break it down for us as we get down to the stretch. It's been a quiet recruitment that changed a little bit on Monday when he confirmed his announcement plans. 
and he's down to three schools. Brian Doan has a story up at lines247.com, but why don't you weigh in on this one for us? You know, we, me and you, we talked about it earlier. You know, his recruitment has been so close to the vest. I'm surprised we actually know when he's committing. You know, he's one of those commitments we thought might just pop up somewhere along the way. But with Liam Andrews, it's really coming down to Penn State and South Carolina. I know Wisconsin's in the top three as well. But he made it to South Carolina for an official visit during June. And that was one that gave him something to think about after checking out Penn State during the first weekend of the month. He kind of took a step back after that, you know, reevaluate the options. And Penn State is definitely trending ahead of Liam Andrews' Friday announcement. I just think that the relationships at Penn State are in a really good place between Andrews, his camp, and the staff. And I think, you know, Penn State, obviously, he started out being prioritized on the offensive line. We saw him at the whiteout camp last summer. I mean, he was the best offensive lineman there, and we thought he had a really high ceiling on that side of the ball. He decides that he wants to be pursuing defensive line at the next level, at least take it for his first crack at playing the position. Penn State adjusted its pursuit to fit that, and that was something that Liam Andrews really appreciated because Penn State was always really high on his list. It just felt like it was a matter of them coming around on the defensive line deal for Andrews. That ultimately happened. And Penn State, you know, at one point, maybe during the winter, late fall, early winter, it seemed like the Nittany Lions were fading a little bit. That changed once the staff changed its way of going after Andrews and really gave him more of an opportunity to play on the defensive line. And now we are where we are with Penn State in the best position to get this one done before announces, before Andrews announces on Friday. Brian Doan was the first to submit a crystal ball pick in favor of Penn State with Liam Andrews last Monday. And then today, Steve Wolfong, the director of football recruiting for 24-7 Sports, has followed up with his own crystal ball pick uh, that points toward Penn State. It would be a really important pickup for this team. And then if that happens, you roll yourself into Saturday feeling pretty good, and you're awaiting another announcement on the defensive front with T.A. Cunningham all the way down at Miami Central High School, a four-star prospect in 24-7 sports assessment in the composite ranking as well, labeled the number 28 defensive lineman in this 2024 cycle. What do we make of where things stand with this recruitment? It's obviously a long road when we talk about South Florida, but he's ready to announce on Saturday. You know, another recruitment that was played close to the vest and was quiet really throughout the spring and the summer. Penn State was the only school to host Cunningham for an official visit last month and you know i think that's pretty telling when it comes to what's going on there in that recruitment from the penn state side of things you gotta keep in mind you know there's been uh there's been levels to this recruitment definitely ta cunningham has had one of the more interesting processes i would say at least for me in recent memory i mean former five-star prospect early in his recruitment three high schools in three states in three years. I mean, it's been a ride for him, man. You know, I mean, he's a four-star now. So there's been, you know, staff still have to do some evaluating regarding, you know, how he could fit on his defensive line. They deemed that he was indeed a fit. That official visit went really well. And I think Penn State, this is another situation where Penn State is in the best position ahead of an announcement. So Dion Barnes this weekend, man, he's going to have the chance to go for two for two in as many days on two defensive linemen who have been high on his board for a while. Okay, so here's here's the path. Um, thanks to our 24/7 Sports profile page for T.A. Cunningham, a 2020 he spent his freshman year at, at uh, Lilburn uh, Providence Christian Academy in Georgia. Uh, 2021 played at Johns Creek in Georgia as a sophomore. 2022 uh, was at Los Alamitos in California. Uh, there was eligibility issues out there yeah. with the CIF, uh, and then now at Miami Central. So Los Alamitos is one of the premier schools in one of the premier areas for high school football in America, and 
he's right at the same situation at Miami Central, just about 3,000 miles or, or whatever away. Um, and so if this is Penn State getting the pick with, with T.A. Cunningham, they add a six foot six defensive lineman with a near six foot eight wingspan. I don't think they have one of these guys in the class yet. No, they don't. This is, a, <laughs> yeah. this is a different kind of player. And it's one of those players that from a Penn State side, you know, their perspective that you get him coached up. And I mean, you consider the frame that he already has, you get him coached up to the point where he could contribute. I mean, at a high level on Saturdays, potentially, you know, I mentioned that he was a five-star early in this process. And, you know, while there have been questions about his film at certain points, I mean, he was a five-star for a reason at one point, right? I know the, the rankings process is ever evolving and it's fluid and things change as recruits go through their development. But there are a lot of raw traits that T.A. Cunningham has that power five coaching staffs like, and that's why he's been a prominent piece on that Penn State defensive line board for a while, even though it was a quiet process for him. You know, there wasn't a lot of where there wasn't really a lot of scoop throughout his process on where he might be visiting or where he might be leaning. And the Penn State official visit kind of started to tell the story. You know, we thought that this might be a recruitment that finished up even sooner than it is. We thought it might be one that was going to wrap up coming out of that official visit weekend when he made it to Penn State during the weekend of June 16th. It didn't, but at the end of the day, I mean, things are still trending in Penn State's favor a month later. I mean, are we, are we, moni- what else are we monitoring? Miami is there, obviously, and yeah. Miami's the, the hometown team, although he's been a, a, a wanderer, as we've referenced throughout high school. So it's hard to say it's the hometown team. Any, any other contenders that, that Penn State fans, although you are very optimistic here, that they, that they need to be aware of? I mean, to be honest with you, not really. Like I said, he took only one official visit. I mean, Miami, yes, that's a program that's in his backyard now, but it's not like it's his traditional backyard. You know, there's not necessarily not a Florida native. There's not a whole lot of Florida background there. So I think that kind of lessens the juice that Miami has in this process. I know at one point Miami was viewed as the leader, and that, I think that was even before Cunningham made the move. But Penn State has been right there through the thick of things, and it's definitely on top right now, I would say. We'll see what happens between now and Saturday. You know, there's always the chance for a late push from a program. But like I said with Liam Andrews, where Penn State's in the best spot to get this one done, I think they're in the best spot to get it done with Cunningham as well. Well, because of COVID in 2020, because of the eligibility stuff in 2022, that 2021 season kind of stands out on its own with T.A. Cunningham in terms of full-time year to, to look at as a sophomore at Johns Creek in Georgia. That year he had 66 tackles, and one-third of them, 22, came behind the line of scrimmage along with seven sacks. Uh, let's look ahead a little bit here uh, beyond this weekend, which, as we said, with Andrews and Cunningham announcing one way or the other, we're going to have some things to discuss over at lines247.com, and Tyler will have – all the appropriate feedback for our, our, our VIP subscribers as they log in this weekend. But a big event is on the horizon here. Lash Bash, it, it's in conjunction with that final weekend of July when we see the, the the bow on the prospect camps, the last prospect camp of the year. We had you covered at every single one of those in June. It was a jam-packed month. That's the only prospect camp in this entire month of July, and it coincides there with the Saturday Lash Bash event, with, which has become a staple on Penn State's recruiting calendar for a long time now. It's been very important for James Franklin. And I wanted to hear from you early. I know we're getting some confirmations in. Uh, you're going to see a lot of commitments returning to campus for this one, but there's always more intrigue about who's not committed just yet and who's taking a closer look. And I think what we're finding so far and being reminded of is while there's so much focus on the current class during Lash Bash festivities, we're reminded every year there is a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of action involved here that go with the rising juniors and the rising sophomores. And this will be no exception. 
Yeah, this is an event that, you know, it, it's one of those ones where it always has kind of more of an emphasis on the future. That the, Your building blocks for 25 and 26 classes, that's what an event like the Lash Bash accomplishes. You know, get these underclassmen in town in a more, you know, personalized feeling. You know, the Lash Bash, it always draws rave reviews from recruits. It always seems to be a lot of fun for these guys, and it's experience that they met, remember as their recruitment goes on. And so I'm interested to see what Penn State is able to accomplish with the group of underclassmen that it is set to host because it is a very impressive group so far based on the names that we have confirmed. Marquise Davis is a four-star running back from Ohio. He's high on the board for the Nittany Lions right now. He's going to be making it out to campus. Word is he's pretty excited about that trip. Hasn't been able to make it to Happy Valley yet. Going to be changing that later this month, and he's excited to see what Penn State has to offer. Like I said, high on the running back board. Mike Carroll, a name that we spent a lot of June discussing after he picked up his offer from Penn State, you know, following a really, really dominant whiteout camp performance. He's going to be in town. Will Black, he's a 25 offensive tackle from New England up in Connecticut. He's going to be in town. He's high on the board. Notre Dame's heavily involved. There are a lot of big players in that recruitment, but Will Black is deciding to make it to Penn State for Lash Bash. Kaishan Robinson's a 26 from Pittsburgh. He, Penn State offered him recently. They're looking at him at safety. He's going to be in town. It's just so many. Brady O'Hara, the top 24-7 athlete from Pittsburgh, he's going to be in Massive. town. I mean, just the list, yeah, that, that's an important distinction because, you know, Penn State likes him at tight end. Not every school does, but Penn State is prioritizing him as a tight end, and he is high on the Nittany Lions. He's been to one of those guys we talk about people who visit or recruits who visit campus multiple times. O'Hara is one of them. I believe this is going to be, I wrote, this is going to be his fifth visit to campus in a relatively short span. They've all come in the calendar year. So I think that speaks to his level of interest in the Nittany Lions. So it's a growing list. And I mean, just based on the names that we have already, it's going to be another star studded lash bash for Penn state this year. And this is another kind of, okay, let, let's see what's next in the process for Dion Barnes and, and for Marcus Hagans, because it's an important part of the calendar for, for this Penn state squad. Not only are you getting the prospects on campus, but it's a, a laid back, backyard barbecue kind of vibe at Lash Bash. So you can kind of hopefully turn off uh, some, some of the, the, the recruiting conversation and, and focus on life and focus on you know, family conversations with mom and dad and siblings. And I think this is really when you see the, the personal touches come out for a lot of these coaches. You hear when, the, when recruits leave campus, they can see a different side of these coaches because one, they're not juggling a spring practice. They're not juggling uh, a 300 prospects in town for, for a summer camp. They're not dealing with a game day situation. They're not uh, focused on official visitors all over the place. And they're not, yeah, it's the last couple of weeks before the preseason camp. So everyone's a little bit chill before everything's totally ramps up. So I think it's a good spot for, for, for Penn State and their staff and how deep they have become. I think they're going to really seize this moment. I mean, we've talked a lot about how this Penn State Penn State support staff and, and, and beyond the coaching staff has been really well set up and they've lost some key pieces because people are going to want what you've got at Penn State right now in the recruiting department. But I think they're in a really good spot to navigate their way through July, finish off. Uh, you know, we, we might not see the firework of results uh, coming out for the 2024 class, but I think they've set a lot of strong foundation for 2025, 2026. And if our listeners have paid attention and, and read our content from a month's worth of, of camp, that's the story right now, folks. The in-state storyline is what is brewing in that 2025 and 2026 cycle. Penn State's done a lot of good things in the 2024 class, and they've got those commitments on board. 
but there is some really special talent that, that we're starting to get familiar with. And Penn State keeps getting these guys back on campus. And, and as Tyler just said, that's really what I think is going to be the, the trend of this event is seeing this staff interact with those sophomores and juniors and send them home with kind of a new perspective on where Penn State stands long term. You know, you mentioned Barnes and Hagen specifically. I think the Lash Fashion setting and the environment, just the overall vibe of the day, I think that plays into their strengths as recruiters. You know, we get the chance to see Barnes and Hagen's interact with recruits in a camp setting, and you can see that these kids are comfortable with them. Then, you you know, you get away from the practice field and the drills and the one-on-ones, and you get the chance to really, you know, settle in and talk to these coaches. That's something that, you know, every recruit that I've talked to, when it comes to Hagen's, I mean, he gels with guys really well. He's good to have conversations with, not even regarding football, just talking about life. You know, every wide receiver prospect that I've gotten the chance to talk to this cycle mentions that Hagen's is just really good at relating the guys away from the field. He's great when it comes to the on the field stuff too, but he's just, he's a really good talker when it comes to discussing stuff away from ball and just any, really any life topic. So that's a plus. And then with Penn, with, uh, with Dion Barnes, I mean, it's really – he's one of those things where you hear from prospects that he doesn't talk a whole lot, but when he does talk, you listen because he's either saying something really important or he's doing a good job of relating or saying something funny. So recruits seem to like Deion Barnes, and I think that for these two guys specifically, I think it really helps Penn State because for for some of these prospects, this is their first real chance to get to know these guys on a more intimate level because, mm-hmm. you know, given the fact that they just took over – this offseason, there's still kind of a rawness to some of these relationships. An event like Lash Bash eliminates that, completely wipes that out because you get to know these guys on a more personal level. And the cool thing here is not only are you getting a lot of these younger prospects on camp for Lash Bash, but you're also getting them on camp in some instances for multi-day visits because yep. they're going to camp. Uh, that that fourth elite showcase camp of the summer is going to occur just before Lash Bash, a uh, day before Lash Bash. So a chance for a lot of those younger players to come, get some verified measurements, verified testing, compete in front of the staff. And then it's a different scenario that plays out the next day. You can wear flip-flops. You can eat barbecue. Uh, it's a little less stressful. Definitely. Uh, but 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 it's those two things combined that can kind of be a one-two punch that we've seen play out really well for Penn State in the positive regard on the recruiting trail over the years later in the week next week we'll do a complete comprehensive breakdown of what we're anticipating from that weekend which is the last big recruiting weekend here of the summer and really the last uh, i guess stage setter for us jumping into preseason camp coverage because that's what's right around the corner after that tyler appreciate all the coverage i think we've covered everything got people up to speed they know what's coming if they didn't in the, in the upcoming days and we'll have you on again real soon but everyone can find you at lines247.com in the meantime thanks for having me back on man like i said it was good to be back All right. Talk to you soon. Great stuff from Tyler Calvaruso. You can catch every day at lines247.com and very frequently here on the podcast. We're back. As I said, summer break is over. Preseason camp is just ahead. Big thanks to Adiza Isaac and Denai Dennis Sutton, Wendy Hoover as well for breaking down that big event at the Avalon Yacht Club next Thursday. For information on that, go to lineslegacyclub.com. Stepping aside for now, we'll be back with another episode later in this week. I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks, as always, for watching or listening to the Lines 24-7 podcast. Podcast.